Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. So I think today we're just going to talk and just I'm just going to chat with you all. I don't know if we're ever going to have a message here, but for the last few weeks I've been 150 miles per hour and throughout those weeks... I've been trying to throw some notes in my phone for the next time I can sit down and record. Um, the last episode, you heard my buddy, Dr. David Griffin, come on, and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from that episode about leadership. Um, and I don't really have any guests lined up. So it's just going to be me talking here for a few minutes just to keep the content coming because I have a busy, busy, busy week coming up. And this is the, I literally have like an hour and a half today to sit down and record something for your lovely ears next Monday. So I just got back into town. I'm I'm super excited, man. I just got back into town from Missouri where I went and, uh, hats off to Mr. Jeremy Davis over in Kirksville, Missouri, um, chief of Adair County fire and rescue out there. Um, hats off to him for, for bringing me out and, and orchestrating, orchestrating an event that was phenomenal. It was I went out to northeastern Missouri, small town of Kirksville. Never heard of this place. It's a spot on a map. And I got there, and the turnout was like no other. For I mean, I've done a lot of events over the years. And when you go to these small towns, normally it's – you can say an event is hit or miss. But normally when you go to the smaller towns, there there's a big miss there because um, it's just – it's hard getting a lot of people to show up sometimes. But he did it a wonderful job at – bringing everybody together for, for a hero's banquet. And what he did was he reached out to all the surrounding counties and uh, the fire, the police, the dispatchers, the spouses, and they did a really good job at getting the word out. And we had over 200 people. I want to say probably closer to 300 is what it felt like anyway. Um, but he had an event where they they give back to their heroes in the community. They had giveaways. They had a, a barbecue dinner. Um, they had a, they had a bar set up and, and I, I'm not going to lie. There was no shortage of people in line at the bar. They they like to throw it down out there in Adair County in Kirksville, Missouri, but it was, it was such a pleasure because when I went on to talk, they, they sat there. Normally you don't get to talk to people when they're, when they have some drinks in them and after they've had barbecue in them. So I was, I was a little nervous and honestly, I was like, man, Comedy, it's okay to be full of food and drinks, but when you're actually doing a keynote presentation, that's not a good combination. So 
these these jokers were wild. They were fun. I went up there and it was a lot of comedy mixed in. Actually, we were uh, we were joking and cutting up and breaking balls, and then we would get really serious, and it was fun. It it added a different dynamic to what I do, and I just had I had such a blast with them. And it's just nice to see how you can make something from absolutely nothing. And these these departments, these agencies, these first responders nationwide who are in areas like this, they can have some really good training brought into them just by one individual. And I talk about this in, in my course that I teach, Post-Traumatic Purpose. I talk about leadership and I talk about the responsibilities of a leader. There are tons of responsibilities, but one of the main responsibilities of a leader is to develop resources and to find resources when they are not available. And that's exactly what my buddy Jeremy Davis did. Um, he went out, he found the resource, and he brought a message, and he brought training to a group of individuals who have not had this kind of training. And it was just a, a spectacular thing to be a part of, and I'm super, super proud that I was able to go in and, and be a part of it and, and be with those fine people for a short period of time. Being a leader isn't easy, and, it, and it's oftentimes a thankless job because what happens over time is when you become a good leader, I think a lot of people just become dependent on you. And when you're in a leadership role, um, I th- you can see that sometimes. You can see that when you're when you're doing good and you're taking care of your people, and this is how it's exhausting for leaders. Oftentimes, I'm not saying every time, but a lot of times the subordinates underneath them, they know that, hey, you know what? He's our dude. He's our girl. Or wait, he's our girl. Well, shit. Today it could be that he could be our girl, or she could be our our dude. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm getting at. Oftentimes, the crew or the people, the subordinates that are following the leader, they know that their leader's got it, and he's he or she is going to carry that load. He or she is going to find that resource. He or she is going to make things happen. And so, what happens a lot of times is. Those underneath, they don't assist in carrying the load. They don't assist in helping the leader. I'm not saying that's always the case, but think about that from a standpoint. Being a leader can be exhausting. Being in a leadership role can be exhausting if you're a true leader. And I talk about this in my course. Not everybody that's in a leadership position is is a leader. And I'm not going to get into too much of that here, but but think about that if if you're in a position where your supervisor does a great job or you're whoever is the leader is in, in whatever realm of life you're in. Think about that from a standpoint of being a good subordinate, you know, or, or being a good follower. Are you, are you helping your leader carry that load or are you putting it all on them? Because good leaders will always, always try to take as much of that load off of you. That's just their default by nature. Um, you know, they'll often try to delegate authority or delegate responsibilities, but at the end of the day, if you don't, if you fail at those responsibilities, I've seen leaders, you know, when, when the, when the shit starts rolling downhill, I'll see them take the blame for that. So just ask yourself in that, in that aspect, are you doing everything you can to help your leader be successful? We used to often say in the uh, fire department, a, uh, a, a good captain is made by his, his or her crew. And what we meant by that is if, if you were a shitty captain, the crew could make you look as good as bad or as good as they wanted to. They could go to, to a job, they could underperform, they could be lackadaisical. But when you have a great captain, somebody that is just a wonderful, wonderful 
person, supervisor, they do everything they can. That crew can go out and as a crew, they can make that, that, that individual shine, you know, and that's what I always like seeing. I always love seeing a crew work harder or individuals work harder for their supervisor because they have that, that trust and that confidence and that supervisor and that respect. But I've seen it both ways to where other crews don't really like the person that's in charge of them because chances are that person was just promoted into a position and doesn't really know how to lead. Do you know how to lead? Are you in a leadership role? Um, have you, have you just been on the job or in your current profession for, I don't know, let's say five, 10 years and you're not in a leadership role, ask yourself, but why not? What do you not want to lead? Do you not want to be a leader? And that's fine because I'd rather you stay where you are and just be happy with the position you're in than to just promote, to just promote and get into a leadership role and be a, and be an ineffective leader. Because anybody can get promoted into a leadership role, but not every leader can become effective. I was just talking with a friend of mine about how priorities change over life. And it's, it's funny because like, if you look at a post on uh, social media, one of those reminders that come up, you know, like, Hey, 10 years ago, you posted this many times. I delete it because I'm not the same guy by any means as I was 10 years ago. And I'll see a post and it's actually, nobody else sees it, but it's embarrassing for me to even read because I was like, man, I, I really thought that way. How could I, how could I think like that? Or how could I behave that way? And, it's, it's something ridiculous. And I got into this conversation about how priorities change with a, with a friend of mine who's a firefighter and he's, um, I won't say he's like 38, 37, he's approaching 40, but he's into bodybuilding. And I remember when I started slowing down my priorities about being in peak physical condition started slowing down when I right around the 40 year mark and maybe 41, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 44 in a, in a couple weeks, but that's not to say I just lay on the couch, but here's what I'm getting at. I remember when right, we can, let's even back it up a step further. When I was younger, when I was just out of the Marines, I wanted nice cars. I wanted a nice apartment. I didn't want a house. You know, I wanted to I wanted things that that kids at that age had, and those were my priorities. And now I could give two shits about a car because one, it doesn't make me money. It costs me money Two, I could give a shit about an apartment because it doesn't make me money. It costs me money. And that's where I get into later in, in my post-traumatic purpose course. I talk about assets and liabilities and I talk about growing as, as a human being. And as you get older and you start to grow and you realize the difference between assets and liabilities when it comes to people and separating yourself and cutting your losses with the liabilities and let your asset column grow. And, but that's, that's a story for another day. But anyway, it's just funny how your, your priorities change in life. And I was talking to my friend and he was like, man, this is my last go. He goes, this is my last go at really putting on some weight and and going after the bodybuilding thing. And that's great. He has goals and all that. And I remember when I was like that, I, I wasn't such a calorie counter, but I did watch what I eat, what watch what I would put in my body, uh, back, back in the day. And I tried, I tried to make it as nutritious as possible. And it was all because I just wanted to look great. Right. And I wanted my body to stand out. And I, it's funny now because I, when I see an old man, like a, like a 50 or 60 year old man. Yeah. Be in shape. That's great. But if, when I see a 50 or 60 year old man 
that is just ripped to shreds and has all the muscle in the world. It looks weird to me. It doesn't look normal. And I think I started slowing down because I was like, you know what? Something's changing inside of me and I'm just going to be who I am now. And I don't want to be an 80 year old man with an 80 year old face and have a 23 year old body. I just, it doesn't look right. It looks like when you see those people that are old and just super crazy, like built, it, it looks like they were decapitated and, and somebody put their head on a younger kid's body. So, I mean, hats off to him because it takes, it does take a lot of, um, a lot of discipline. It takes, it takes a shit ton of discipline to get to those, you know, that level. But it also, in my mind, it takes it takes a lot of um, vain, you know, a lot of vainness. I don't know, is vainness a word? I don't know if vainness is a word, but I think I grew out of that. And I think that's part of the beauty at growing comfortable with who you are. It's uh, you, you reach a point where, you know what, I don't really care anymore about having the tightest T-shirt and being the two Zacks from Cleveland, Tennessee. You know who the fuck I'm talking about, two Zacks, you big bastards. Let's talk about the crisis intervention team conference that I just did after I left Kirksville, Missouri. So I was um, last week I was in obviously Kirksville to do post-traumatic purpose, but then I had to go down to Columbia, Missouri to do the crisis intervention team conference where we did a comedy event followed by, um, you know, post-traumatic purpose keynote presentation at the end of the conference, which was phenomenal. Man, there were, 500 in attendance at the conference. Um, and then there were several, I think I want to say 300 at the comedy event the night prior. Um, I don't like doing comedy before conferences. I like, or before I do my keynotes, I always like doing the comedy afterwards because it, it just paints a better picture at, um, what I do and why I do it. And it, and it loosens everybody up, up because the comedy, uh, when you go in, if you haven't heard me speak or talk about a lot of the post-traumatic purpose stuff, you go in and yeah, it's funny and it's fun and, and all that, but it, it just, I think it resonates more with people after, um, I speak first and then they come out and they're like, okay, now I understand why this dude is the way he is and why he's, he doesn't give a shit about what he says on stage and why he's just trying to have a good time and make people laugh. I get that. But we had a, we had a phenomenal event, man, and it was just a lot of fun. So shout out to everybody who showed up in Columbia, Missouri, and those in charge of making that happen for the crisis intervention team. There were there were dispatchers, there were clinicians, there were doctors, there were counselors, there were firefighters, there were a ton of police officers, there were jailers, there were spouses. It was really, really cool. And it's so nice to see how broad this message really is on wellness and mental wellness and just the overall support that we're starting to get in these communities. I mean, the spotlight is really getting bright on this epidemic that has, that has, um, been on the radar now for so long in, uh, in the emergency services. But, but, but like I say, the spotlight is starting to get really bright on it and it's really cool to see the change that, that has taken place and the, the lives that it's affecting and, and for, for the better, I'm just, I'm just, super, super happy and blessed to be able to be a part of such a, such a thing right now, because, you know, and I tell people when I speak five years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation five years ago. I couldn't even get on a stage and talk to people about this stuff without them shunning it. And now it's almost welcomed by everybody. And it's just a beautiful thing. 
y'all know me and y'all know I'm, I'm very tight with my father and very close. And we had a conversation recently and, uh, we were just on the phone and he said, you know, I was sitting here thinking, you know, you know, he's from a, a small town called Hinesville, Georgia. And there's not much there actually Hunter army. No, not Hunter army, Fort Stewart, uh, army bases there. But that's where my dad grew up. And he, then he, when he was in his teen years, they moved out to a place called Midway, Georgia, where he spent the you know the remainder of his teen years before he went to military. And he was talking to me and, uh, he says, you know, Travis, he says I was sitting here thinking, where my life would have went had I've not went in the military. And it's crazy because I've often had those same thoughts. And I want to ask you all, I mean, you don't have to, to, to answer me obviously, but have you ever had that thought? Like what was the one thing in your life that changed the course of your life? Like you are where you are now because of one simple decision that you made. Maybe the, the decision wasn't simple. Maybe it was a difficult decision, but you are exactly where you are because of a decision that you made. Some of you may still be exactly where you don't want to be because of a decision that you have not made and that you know you should make, but fear and uncertainty leave you there. And that fear and uncertainty will not allow you to grow. And my father and I, he, he's like, man, I honestly think if I wouldn't have went into the military, I would have stayed right here in this little no name town and done everything that my friends did, which wasn't much. I mean, nobody that he grew up with was really going anywhere at that time. If you weren't going in the military, nobody, you know, they weren't, they weren't running off to college from that little town that, you know, the people that he was uh, running with same as me. Right. When I grew up, I ran with certain circles of friends. They made certain decisions. They never left that town and guess where they still are. They're still in that town. Now I'm not knocking them. That's not, that's not what I'm doing. But what I'm saying is I don't, I don't believe that some of them really gave themselves the full potential in life to grow. And I like seeing that. I not that. I like seeing people live up to their full potential. Are you just going to be a plant that remains in the little um the little planter bucket that it comes in from the store and you're going to be confined to growing to that one small bucket or are you going to be the plant that when you come from the store you get removed from that bucket and you actually get put into the earth where you can blossom and flourish outside of the realm of that little bucket. Ask yourself that you, you deserve to be able to flourish as much as possible. And I think, I think back all of the time and that's why this was such a great conversation with my father. You know, it's, it was one of those conversations where I was so excited about it. I was cutting him off and he was cutting me off because we were trying to talk about the positive effect that that one decision to go in the military for both of us was. Now, I was never a kid that was was going to go to college. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll tell you right here. I, um, I didn't even, when I graduated high school, I, I think I've said this, I was 198th out of a class of 200. All right. I was second to the bottom. I was so sure, and so were my teachers, they were so sure that I would never do anything with my life that I didn't even take English 2, 3, and 4. Um, they put me in a class called Communicating in the Workplace. They were so sure that I was going to go just work in a factory or work at a store somewhere and never really flourish and grow outside of that little bucket that I was telling you about. That they didn't even, I, I slipped through, I still got a high school diploma not a certificate of completion, but I got a high school diploma. 
I never took a foreign language. And looking back, I love learning things now, but looking back, I had one thing in mind back then. I wanted to be a Marine at a young age. And that's all I wanted to do. That's not saying I was dumb. The, what I'm saying is this. I didn't apply myself. And I'm I'm aware of that. And at an early age back then, all I cared about, if you've read my book, was making fun of things and laughing and having a good time. I didn't take anything that seriously back then. And the effect of that was I had to work extremely extremely hard to get to a place where, um, how do I say it? Not sounding arrogant, a place where I'm comfortable in life, right? Nothing was handed to me because of the decision I made to not apply myself. When I got into the Marines, that's when I really started learning the, the, the art of the full potential, right? I I started learning that dude, you're so capable of so much more in life if you just apply yourself. And I've never looked back. I've always, uh, since, since then, everything I do is with every, every ounce of energy I have. And I, I just wish looking back in life that, um, I would have applied myself more in high school. That's probably, I don't really have regrets, but if I, if I could go back and change something in my life, it would, I would tell that younger man, Hey, apply yourself. And that we, Maybe you don't have to grind as hard as you did, but grinding is actually what made me who I am. So I don't want to take that away. I don't, I don't want anything handed to me, but I wish I'd have applied myself because now I play catch up, man. There's a lot of things that, that I don't know. And you know, I should be ashamed to admit it, but I don't, I don't really care what people think. I think y'all know that. Um, I'm not, I'm not a very intellectual human being. I can have good, honest conversation with you, but when it comes down to like a real educated uh, conversation, I'm out lick ass. Like I want nothing to do with that because that's not who I am. Um, and, and I'm all right with that now. Um, but I do wish I could go back and, and, and learn a lot of the things that, that I missed out on. I'll tell you right now, I'm, I suck at math, right? I'm math is one of my, one of my worst. I'm really good at, um, using my fingers and my toes to count when I'm adding in front of people too. Like they won't see it. What I'll do is I'll put, and this is just me being vulnerable with you. So like if I'm doing a, um, if I'm putting a tip on, on like a check at a restaurant, I'll put my left hand down on the counter while I'm signing with my right. And I'll, I'll sign really slow with my right because my left hand, I'm using my fingertips to press lightly on the table to count on my fingers. How crazy is that? Or I've actually done it in my shoes with my toes. I'm, I'm good like that. But I do have the ability to go out and make something from absolutely nothing. And one of the beauties about this is, and we'll talk about this with my best friend, Randy Tappan. I'm going to have Randy on because Randy is an extremely successful human being that has his own story that is very, very similar to mine when it comes to that. All right. And I think it'll be a fun, um, lighthearted conversation with a lot of laughs because I don't want to, I don't want to, um, tell Randy's story because it's, it's some good stuff (laughs) and it's, uh, but we shouldn't be where we are. And I think the reason we are is just from just grit and determination, right? And we're both cut from the same cloth and that cloth is the United States Marine Corps has a lot to do with that. But I want to ask you, and that's, I guess that's where this, this topic comes up. It's had I not went into the Marine Corps, I, there's no way I would be doing what I'm doing today. 
I really honestly think that one, that one decision that, that wasn't, I mean, I, it, it was easy, but it was hard, right? I knew that's what I wanted to do, but that was a hard thing to do. And you go into something with having fears and having doubts and having concerns, but guess what? Courage can't, can't see around corners, but it goes around them anyway. And that's, that's what I did. I said, you know what? I don't have the answers. And there's a lot of possible ways that this could not turn out in my favor, but we, I still did it. And many of us still do it. And that is what it takes to grow outside of your little planter bucket. You have to be able to put yourself in uncomfortable situations and be certain that you're going to make the most of it. And you're going to grow from the experience. And all the experiences might not be positive. A lot of the experiences may be negative, but the beautiful thing about it is either positive or negative, you're going to grow from it. And so that's why I love seeing people get outside of, of their element because the growth is phenomenal. I'm going to tell you a story. This is very, very true story about lack of growth and looking back on it. It was absolutely hilarious. And I don't know if I'm going to do the story any justice, but I want you to think about the mindset of what I'm about to tell you. I don't want to make fun of anybody. So I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave the name out of it. I'm actually going to leave this, this guy's nickname out of it because this, this conversation happened when I was working, um, an overtime shift for on engine 11 one time when I was still a firefighter in Charleston and we had a four man crew. It was me, the driver, the captain, and we had two firefighters. And one of the firefighters was was very backwoods. And I'm not saying that in a negative way because I am backwoods. All right. The difference is this. I didn't stay in the backwoods. I allowed myself to get out of that planter bucket. Okay. And I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. That please don't take that as this because I know where the fuck I come from. I can promise you. And I'm still that same dude. Um but this is the difference. The gentleman I'm going to tell you about, he never took himself outside of that little planner bucket. And so what happened was he allowed his, um, his, um, thinking to the confines of that planner bucket as well. And this is what I mean, but it's a funny ass story. So I couldn't think of a more appropriate time to tell this because of, of the conflict that's going on with Russia and Ukraine right now. But so Russia, I don't know if you remember back in 2008, there was an 11 day siege where Russia invaded the country of Georgia. All right. And I remember when it came on the news, I was sitting in engine 11. There was a, there was a big news bulletin. Russia invades Georgia. All right. And this kid that was so backwoods got up and started freaking out. And when I tell you freaking out, I mean, freaking out. Now, listen, here in South Carolina, we we border the state of Georgia, right? You can see where this is going. This kid's dad lived or worked in the state of Georgia just across the Georgia line in an area called Augusta, Georgia. And he worked at a um, the nuclear facility there up in that area somewhere to Savannah River site. And wherever he was, he was on the Georgia side. Kid starts crying, all right? Then this this dude's like twenty five years old, so it's like, hey man, you you had an opportunity after after high school to graduate and like leave the little town where you're from, not go say where he's from. But he never left, and this is the conversation we had just before this happened. This is why this is important. I I asked him because we were talking about traveling, and I asked him if he's ever left the state of South Carolina, and he said no, 
At 25 years old, he had never left the state. And the reason he had never left the state was this. He said, I got no reason to leave the state. Everything that I, I need is right here in my town. And I was like, okay, but this is where that gets you, right? <laughs> so minutes later, literally, Russia invades Georgia. The kid's scre- not screaming, but he's crying. He was visibly like shaking, crying, and upset. And he goes, I got to get in touch with my daddy. I got to get in touch with my daddy. And we're like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, you don't see the damn TV? My daddy works in Georgia. (laughs) And we all passed out from laughing so hard. That's what I'm getting at. Um, I'm not making fun of the dude, but I'm making fun of the situation. I'm making fun of the bucket. Like, listen, open up your mind. Experience the things that there are to experience in life. So you don't think another country is a state getting invaded and avoid that whole situation. I'll tell you one thing that I don't like is um, I've worked extremely hard over the years um, not to, I wouldn't say like build a social media following, but with what I do comes social media. Now, I can't help but to notice, look, I don't have the largest account in the world. I'm looking at it right now, 13,500 followers on Instagram. Is that a big number? Maybe to somebody that has 200 followers, but does it mean, what does it mean? I don't know. Um, I do know this. It's not a large account, right? But it, it is special to me. And this is why, because when, when people want to follow you, that means they're investing in what you do. They're investing and they believe in you and you're, you're interesting enough for them to devote a little bit of their time of their life to yours. And that's special. So as I've toured the country year in, year out, you know, sometimes you'll go to an event and I've never been good at asking for followers. So, um, after an event, people have a good time that they'll add you. And so recently I actually tell them to add me just in case they see me coming through their town or whatever. Um, you know, they'll know next time. But over the years, I wasn't really good at that. I wasn't good at asking, Hey, people follow me here and that. Cause I don't really care about all that. But long story short, I do look back at all the years of hard work that I've put in. I've been on the road 15 years of my life. All right. 15. That is a long time. Now, majority of that was comedy within the last several years has been more speaking engagements and stuff and comedies on the back burner. And, um, I'm going to tell you what happened to me the other day. And this has happened a couple times over the years where when somebody comes to you on social media, let's be honest, we don't know everybody that follows us. We don't have a personal relationship with everybody that follows you, but I do have a, a personal respect for every single person that follows me. Thank you. Whether you're following me because you like me, or you're following me because you don't like me and you just want to pay attention to what I'm doing because that's what they say haters do. Haters follow you more than anybody, right? Not calling y'all haters, but you know what I'm saying. Your, your haters pay very close attention to what you're doing. Well, I get a message the other day from this girl that follows me. And let me, I got to kind of look at the notes here. I want to mess it up. And the message was this. She was in an online influencer contest. Okay. Shoots me a message out of the blue. Hey, hope you're well. Want to ask you for a favor. Can you go to this site and vote for me? Cause I'm in trying to um, win its online influencer contest. And first, the first thing I did, I was like, who the fuck is this? So I went and looked at the profile. Clearly we follow each other, but I kept looking and I was like, I don't even know this person. Like I don't personally 
remember who this person is. Why in the world is she asking me for this? Um, wasn't like a how you doing or wanting to catch up or anything. You just all of a sudden want a favor now, you know, and that's what I'm getting at. You get blindsided by people that just want something. And that's one of the other sayings I say, man, nobody wants anything to do with you until they need a favor from you. And that's been a big thing with me in the past because as your little social media numbers start climbing. So I messaged her back and I go, Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. And then I think she thought, Oh shit. Yeah, that was kind of rude. But anyway, Case in point, I had another person ask me one time, just came out of the blue and said, Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you share my page? This is somebody that works out. Go figure. It's somebody that all they want to do is work out on their Instagram page and show videos of them working out like anybody gives a shit. That's what drives me crazy. It's nobody wants to watch you just sit there and lift weights. Nobody cares that you're lifting five more pounds than you lifted yesterday. That doesn't change anybody's day. All right, so I think that's more about the individual, the the individual that needs to see those likes. They need to see those things because they're just, they don't want to knock anybody, but chances are they're probably not in a good place and they're very insecure human being. So they need to be um, reminded of what a great job they're doing. It's like, hey, great job when lifting five more pounds. Now I'm, I'm going to go about my day. But anyway, I'm getting on a tangent. But this person asks me, Hey, I noticed you have a, a large following. Could you share my info on your page so your people will follow me? And I just thought that was really low. And it, it was another one of those, not, hey, how you doing? How you been kind of things. This is a, a person I, I, I know that just came out of the blue and said that. Um, I don't even know what got us here to this conversation. And I think it's probably because it was just, it was on my mind and I had a note about about it, but it was just kind of irritating. And I guess what I'm thinking is I've never asked anybody for, for stuff like that. I've never asked anybody, Hey, can you share this? Um, and tell people to come over here. Like I, the people that follow me, I've worked really hard to hopefully conjure up some kind of connection so that they're following me for a reason, you know, and that's why they're there. And I'm super, super appreciative of that. And I guess what I'm getting back to is people just don't want to put in, put in work. I'm all about networking. But damn it, you gotta do something on your own every once in a while. Maybe this just is maybe this is just turning into a, a venting, a venting session. I'm gonna tell you, so I had to control, you know, I talk about um self-control, right? And restraint. I talk about that. And sometimes when when we get to this place, this overreactive place, it's very hard to rein yourself in. It's extremely hard. To, to reel yourself back in when you're on the cusp of losing your shit. Um, this happened to me the other day. I was, I was, and this is how quickly a day can just spiral out of control. And when you look back, I always reference that episode. It don't mean nothing. I mean, cause this is one of those situations that I, I was, I had to literally say that out loud in front of another human being and it confused them and I had to walk off and this is what happened. Um, the other day, uh, I get back home, I'm checking the mail and it was one of them days where nothing is going right. And you're just already kind of aggravated. And that's why I'm saying like, if, if, if you're having one of those days, it's, it's very important to take a breather because it does seem like those days 
uh, you get piled up on really quickly. And I think that's where things can spiral out of control. So I'm not going to get into what was going on, but it was, there were several different things that were going on at once. And I was just, um, already like losing my patience. And then, so I checked the mail, right. And I have a, I have a $160 bill that's due now from my dentist office. And what the bill was for is because of a canceled appointment that, that I canceled. And so when I saw that, I was like, you motherfuckers, how you, how are you going to cancel or excuse me, how, how are you going to send me a $160 bill if I did indeed cancel an appointment? Because the first thing a dentist office will do is cancel your ass in a heartbeat. And there's no repercussions for me if they cancel me and ruin a day of work for me. Well, guess what? That's exactly what happened. They actually canceled me for my dentist appointment. That was on March 11th. All right. They canceled me and then sent me a $160 bill for it. So I knew that it was just a clerical error. But at this point, I was so mad. I was so just done with, with the whole day. I grabbed my youngest daughter because I was, it was just, or my oldest daughter, it was just she and I here at the time. And I said, Come on, get in the car. She goes, where are we going? I said, I'm going to teach you how to keep people from stealing your money. And she's like, okay. So she just got in the car. And now I realize I'm pissed. I'm, I'm going to the dentist office because one, I knew they were open. I called four times. They didn't answer. So now I'm on the way to the dentist office and I'm driving there with, um, I'm not at a high rate of speed, but I'm driving there. Like I, like I need to be there. Right. And so I get there and my oldest daughter says, daddy, I'm going to stay in the car because I don't like confrontation. And she knew what was about to happen. Was I, was I wrong for taking her? Yes. A hundred percent. I shouldn't have done this. Um, but they wouldn't answer their phone. I was trying to handle it from here at the house. I didn't have anybody that could watch her. So I needed her to go. Now, had she been in the office with me, my tone might've been differently, but so she decided to stay in the car. Well, when I walk into the office, the receptionist is there. She goes, how's your day going? And I said, not good at all. And I put that on the, on the counter and I said, ma'am, can you tell me why I got this, uh, why I got this $160 bill? And she read it and she goes, well, because you canceled an appointment and I didn't tell her yet. I didn't tell her that they canceled me. I said, well, let me ask you something. Now this is me mad making a situation worse. I already knew it was a clerical error. I already knew that. And I knew that this was, this could be Fixed very, very simply and pain-free. I chose to not take the high ground. I chose to make it a bigger problem than what it was. That is on me. And this is what I'm getting at. It's because I let my day get out of control or get to the point where it was bothering so much, bothering me so much. I let something or I let nothing become something. <clears throat> and that's not right. That wasn't responsible of me. I know better, but I'm human. I make mistakes too. The The trick is, or the question is, how do we learn from those mistakes? Now, I, I tell people all the time, I'm far from perfect. I've figured a lot of things out about myself. But one thing I know is this. <clears throat> you have to be able to stop, pause, and think. And let it go. Because... You can always, always, always make a situation 10 times worse. And you're every time, every time you're going to be at fault because 
You're not thinking clearly. That's why I don't understand how these politicians do it. These cats will blame them for this, blame them for that, and they'll stand there and just listen to it and take it and then turn around and talk very calmly where everything that was instilled in me, especially through the Marine Corps, was to to nip that shit in the bud the second it, it happens. You don't let somebody get confrontational with, with you. You become the confronter. You shut it down. And that's something that, you know, I work very, very hard on. So anyway, listen. So as she's telling me, I, I look at her and I said, let me ask you this. Cause I, and I got, I got loud because I wanted the dentist to come out of the office. I wanted the confrontation. It wasn't like I was going to go in there and get in a fist fight, but I wanted them to know how upset I was about this simple matter. And I wanted them to know part of this is because I got ripped off by a dentist in the past. And I, and that's where a lot of this stems from years ago. I went to one dentist and uh, my wife and I did, we went on like, I think it was like a four days in between. And I guess he didn't put two and two together that we were married on the same dental plan. But here's what happened. She had eight cavities. Okay. I went in, I had eight cavities. Guess where all the cavities were. They were all in the exact same place. What happened was we found out that this was an insurance grab. All he was doing was diagnosing cavities and getting the insurance money for it. We ended up switching dentists, okay, going to another one. Guess how many cavities we had when we went there for our initial checkup? Zero. Neither one of us had cavities. So the other guy, eight cavities. It was like two, two per tooth. And the way that it was, uh, the way that he did it, they, all of our cavities were in the exact same spot on the exact same tooth. So had we have went forward with it, he would have went in there and done some bullshit fillings and got the insurance money for it. Anyway, we switched cavities or switched dentist. I never made it a, an issue. <clears throat> so when I get this bill, you can understand. I'm like, what are y'all dentists up to? You know, dentists have the highest suicide rate in the country out of any job. I've learned that too. Um, pretty stressful occupation if you ask me. So anyway, I go to the dentist and, uh, while she's trying to explain that the, uh, you can't cancel on them. I looked at him. I said, well, how do you have the audacity to charge somebody for canceling you? I said, but when you cancel somebody, they can't bill you for that. And she tried to defend it. And I stopped her and I said, now I want you to go into your system and you tell me who canceled who. And she looked at me like I had two heads and she went in there and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. We, we did cancel because we decided to stop working on Fridays. And I was like, exactly. And I said, now I had business on that day and I'm rearranged my business. So I, I could be here on the date that you scheduled me. I was like, I didn't even schedule this date. You guys told me this was the, the right date. And she was apologetic, but I wouldn't leave it alone. I was like, please tell me how this makes sense that, a, that you as a dental office for canceling me, I can't bill you. And I saw where this was going. I was getting heated and I, I looked at her and I go, it don't mean nothing. And I left. <laughs> so that's what I'm getting at. Try the next time you're having a shit day. Try the next time you're having one of those days where you just, you just had it. And then something else happens. Try to stop. Try not even have a reaction to it. I, that That's actually one of the things that I actually work on really hard. And uh, that day I just failed at it. But that's how, like, when I think when people go crazy and they go off the deep end and they end up doing really, really crazy stuff, that's what happens. It's it's just, it's it's a culmination of events that obviously, and it, something spins them out of control and they're so upset and they're so fuming 
and their vision gets, uh, they get tunnel vision and they can't see past whatever's going on. And they know what they're doing is crazy. They know what they're doing is wrong, but they go through with it anyhow. And, and I think that's, that's what happens. So we ultimately have to be in control of ourselves, right? That was nobody's fault, but my own, I own that shit. I accept it. My bad. But I realize that I accept it. I, uh, I recognize it and I work on it. I don't just chalk it up to, oh, well, you know, it was just a bad day. No, it wasn't just a bad day. It was a bad set of circumstances that I didn't make the most of. And so that's on me. I saw a, uh, I saw a post the other day and, and, and at the bottom of it, I don't remember where I saw it. It just said stillness. Oh, I saw it was, um, a guy that was on the Sean Ryan show, Ed Calderon. I can't remember his name, but at the bottom of it, it said stillness is death. And man, what an accurate statement that is. Stillness is death. Think about that. Where are you really living if you're just sitting still? And then I saw another one. Um, my girl, Lindsay. She, uh, she'd made a post and it said, hurt people, hurt people. And I stopped in my tracks and I just sat there and watched that. And I thought about it and I was like, man, think about that. You don't see happy people hurting people. You only see hurt people hurt people. I could take you through various parts of town, rough areas and stuff like that. And you can see where some people are hurting and why they take it out on one another, because that's what we do to make ourselves feel better. You know, and that's exactly who I was for a long time. And I wish I would have saw that a long time ago, just so it could have like made me stop and realize, but I never saw that. And now after seeing it, I stopped and I was like, man, how many people did I hurt along the way because I was hurt? And how unfair is that? How, how ridiculously unfair is that to just go around hurting people? Case in point at the dentist's office, that lady didn't ask for that. She's just a receptionist. They ended up obviously dropping the bill, but that was me. I was hurt that day. Technically, I was hurt by my set of circumstances that day. And instead, I went out and hurt somebody else because of it. And it's bullshit. And it's unacceptable. But hurt people hurt people. Think about that. That's going to be the title of this episode. I think if we can remember just little things like that, the next time you're not having such a great day and you can stop and pause, reflect and breathe. That's what I always do. That's one of my, that's one of my things. <laughs> Um, and think about that. And before you get ready to verbally hurt somebody or say, or do something you shouldn't do, think about that hurt people, hurt people. And why am I doing this to, to this other person who, who, who doesn't deserve this? I think it can help you in your growth process. And that's what this podcast is all about. You know, it's all about growth and it's how do we, how do we continuously grow? Do you can, do you grow without making mistakes? Absolutely not. I don't think anybody grows perfectly. I think you grow from recognizing your mistakes, realizing what you did, accepting it. And guess what? Not making excuses for it. Don't ever make excuses for the mistakes that you make. You are, you are the excuse. It, it, like you're the reason. So you have to own that. And I realized that many years ago when I wrote the book, create your own light. I, I realized that I am solely responsible for all the decisions that I make. Nobody else. How I choose to react is up to me. 
So ask yourself that. How are you going to react today when you hear this? Or if you're having a bad day right now, I'm hoping that this hits you in your earbuds, your wherever you got your, your hearing aids, whatever you got going on, your ear canals. I hope it gets down in there deep. If you're on your way to confront somebody right now, I'm hoping you can stop. Maybe pause, reflect, breathe, and think about how hurt people hurt people. And it's not fair. Y'all have a great day.